for God's greeting. People of God, our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's continue our praise to God by taking the Trinity Psalter hymnal and turning to number 95B. Number 95B, O come let us sing with joy to the Lord. We're going to sing all four verses, 95B, excuse me, just the first four verses, 1 through 4, 95B. psalm is a beautiful psalm of praise to our God, but also a psalm that has a warning to be careful to worship the one true God and not turn our hearts away from him, because we know that left to ourself, our hearts are dark, they are filled with sin, they would not seek God. And so as we enter his holy presence today, once again, we acknowledge our need for a Savior. Our call to confession today comes from 1 John chapter 1, where the apostle says this, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, 
as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. How easy it is for us to deceive ourselves. Oh, perhaps not saying we have no sin, but we don't do those sins. We don't do those really bad sins. Our sins are small compared to what other people do. That is self-deception. God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. This morning, as we enter the presence of that great and holy God, we acknowledge that still in our lives, we have that, that sin, those things we do which are an offense against Him. And so we confess that, we acknowledge that, and we look away from ourselves, we look to Jesus Christ as the one who washes us and cleanses us from all of our sins. Let's sing together once again, this time number 277. Number 277, before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. We're going to sing all three verses. We'll remain seated. Number 277. Before the throne of
after the apostle says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, he goes on to say this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. We have an advocate with the Father. We have one who speaks in our defense, Jesus Christ, who is perfectly righteous. He pleads for us. And God the Father will certainly hear the pleading of his perfect Son. If you have come this morning placing your faith in that Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins, you can be sure you have an advocate with the Father. You have one who pleads in your defense. You've been washed. You've been cleansed. God has called you to be his child. That is your assurance of pardon as you enter his holy presence on this Lord's day. Hearing that great news, we are now children of God, washed and cleansed. We say, how can we thank God for this glorious gift? And God gives us his holy law to teach us how we should respond to him. This morning, God's law comes to us from Deuteronomy chapter 5. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the, on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, or your male servant or your female servant, or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, and you shall not commit adultery, and you shall not steal, and you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, and you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, or his male servant, or his female servant, his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. 
This is God's holy will for our lives. Before we join together for prayer this morning, just one matter to place before you that we will pray about. We pray for God's comfort to be with Bob and Jean DeYoung. Uh, they were traveling this past week and were informed that Bob's brother Dick had passed away. We don't have any more information than that, but please keep Bob and Jean and the family in your prayers as we will this morning also. Let's come before our God's throne of grace. Lord our God, what a great joy, what a great privilege to enter into your holy presence on this Lord's day. Oh, we praise you, O oh God, for your greatness, for your power, and for your majesty. You are the God who knows the end from the beginning. You are the God whose ways are always perfect and wise. Oh, Lord God, your love and your care abound to the ends of the earth. Your mercy and compassion are beyond compare. What a great and glorious God you are. How wonderful that you have called us, O oh God, to be your children in spite of our fallenness, in spite of our sin. We thank you for your work in our lives. For some of us from the time of childhood being brought up in the faith, and for some only recently coming to know the Lord as, as Savior, O oh Lord, but to all, your grace is marvelous. You are an awesome God, a great God, and a holy God. Thank you for the glorious privilege of gathering on this Lord's day to worship and praise you. We do want to acknowledge God and confess our own unworthiness to be here. We know our sin. It is ever before us. We can try to ignore it. We can try to excuse it. And yet we know that our sin is that which keeps us from full fellowship with you. But we also know, O oh God, that you have provided a way by which that fellowship could be restored through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Advocate. In him we may approach you. Oh, we thank you, O oh God, for this glorious blessing that even this morning we can gather in your presence in Jesus' name because of what he has done, and be reminded of your great love for us. May we, O oh God, never cease to wonder at the glories of the gospel, at the mystery of the cross, that you would send your own Son, the sinless Savior, to die for us fallen men and women, boys and girls. Thank you for this blessing, O oh God. We thank you for all the spiritual blessings that we enjoy. We thank you for bringing us together as a church family. We thank you, O oh God, for the bonds of love between us. We thank you for the common confession that we have, that we are brought together because of your Son, Jesus Christ, who he is and what he has done. We thank you, O oh God, for, for those whom you've raised up as office bearers in your church. And we pray for your blessing to rest upon them. We pray for the eldership that you would help them to make wise decisions as they seek to honor you and to do those things which are a blessing for our congregation. We pray for the diaconate. We pray that you would give them hearts of mercy as they minister in Jesus' name to the very real needs inside the church and outside the church. Oh, we pray, O oh God, for the ministry of the word. 
We pray that once again this morning, as your word goes forth from this pulpit and from other pulpits, it might go forth with the strength and power of your Holy Spirit. May we hear again the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, and may our hearts bow before him, embracing him as our Lord and as our Savior, praising him for what he has done for us. May we leave rejoicing in the salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus. We thank you, O God, for all the physical blessings that we enjoy. We thank you that once again this past week you have seen fit to provide all the needs that we have and beyond that, O God. Uh, Our needs are truly minimal, but you give us so much. And we thank you for all of your blessings. May we never take that for granted. May we never think that we deserve the things that you provide. But they too are a gift of your grace. We pray, Lord God, for those who stand in need of your care in particular ways. And we think of Bob and Jean in the loss of Bob's brother. We pray that you would be near unto the family, that you would encourage them, you would strengthen them at this time. We pray for others, O God, who mourn the loss of loved ones. You know the particular needs there, and we ask that you would use your Holy Spirit and by his power uh, to comfort us and to strengthen us. For others, O God, who have physical needs, who are struggling with illness, who are struggling with injury, uh, we desire, Lord God, to be healed and perfectly whole, and yet we know that you are the great physician who does all things well. So help us to wait upon you for the healing that we so desire. We pray, O God, for those who, who are here this morning who have spiritual hurts, emotional scars, who are anxious, who are frightened, for those who who fear the week to come. Lord God, remind us all today that you are a loving and caring Father, one who provides for all of our needs, who does everything necessary to go ahead of us, to guide us, to lead us, and direct us. May that give us encouragement as we enter this new week. Thank you, O God, for giving us this time of worship, a time to join our voices in song, a time to join our hearts in prayer, and a time when once again we can express our love to you in the tithes and the offerings that we bring. We want to thank you for your ongoing care for our local congregation, but also we thank you, O God, we have the opportunity to share with those at Inland Christian Home. We thank you for our dear saints who are worshiping there. We pray you would be near unto them, encourage them, strengthen them, provide for all of their needs abundantly for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ. Will you use our gifts today to be a blessing to them as well? So we ask that you would accept the gifts of our hearts. We ask you would hear us as we pray. We do offer our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. We do have two offerings this morning. The first is for our general budget, and the second for the Inland Care Fund. God will receive your gifts at this time.
We turn together to number 285 in the Trinity Psalter. Number 285, Hail Thou Once Despised Jesus. We're going to sing all four verses of 285. Let's stand together as we sing. This morning, God's Word comes to us from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, we are going to begin our reading at verse 14 
and then read through chapter 5, verse 10. Hebrews 4, beginning at verse 14. What we hear now is God's word. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. For every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. Because of this, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for his own sins, just as he does for those of the people. And no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also, Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who is able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. I invite you to turn to the back section of the Trinity Psalter hymnal to page 864 in the back. Page 864, this is the Belgic Confession, one of the doctrinal standards of our church. This morning we look at Article 26. Now, I recognize that Article 26 is one of the longest articles in the Confession, but we are going to read this whole article this morning. This is something we have all said we believe to be true. It faithfully reflects Scripture. So we'll read together Article 26 entitled, The Intercession of Christ. We believe that we have no access to God except through the one and only mediator and intercessor, Jesus Christ the righteous. He therefore was made man, uniting together the divine and human natures, so that we human beings might have access to the divine majesty. Otherwise, we would have no access. But this mediator, whom the Father has appointed between himself and us, ought not terrify us by his greatness, so that we have to look for another one, according to our fancy. For neither in heaven nor among the creatures on earth is there anyone who loves us more than Jesus Christ does. 
Although he was in the form of God, he nevertheless emptied himself, taking the form of a man and a servant for us. And he made himself completely like his brothers. Suppose we had to find another intercessor. Who would love us more than he who gave his life for us, even though we were his enemies? And suppose we had to find one who has prestige and power. Who has as much of these as he who is seated at the right hand of the Father, and who has all power in heaven and on earth? And who will be heard more readily than God's own dearly beloved Son? So then, sheer unbelief has led to the practice of dishonoring the saints instead of honoring them. That was something the saints never, had, never did nor asked for, but which in keeping with their duty, as appears from their writings, they consistently refused. We should not plead here that we are unworthy. For it is not the question of offering our prayers on the basis of our own dignity, but only on the basis of the excellence and dignity of Jesus Christ, whose righteousness is ours by faith. Since the apostle for good reason wants us to get rid of this foolish fear, or rather this unbelief, he says to us that Jesus Christ was made like his brothers in all things, that he might be a high priest who is merciful and faithful to purify the sins of the people. And since he suffered being tempted, he is also able to help those who are tempted. And further, to encourage us more to approach him, he says, since we have a high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, who has entered into heaven, we maintain our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to have compassion for our weaknesses, but one who was tempted in all things just as we are, except for sin. Let us go then with confidence to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace in order to be helped. The same apostle says that we have liberty to enter into the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Let us go then in assurance of faith. Likewise, Christ's priesthood is forever. By this, he is able to save completely those who draw near to God through him who always lives to intercede for them. What more do we mean? For Christ himself declares, I am the way, the truth and the life, no one comes to my Father but by me. Why should we seek another intercessor? Since it has pleased God to give us his Son as our intercessor, let us not leave him for another, or rather seek without ever finding. For when God gave him to us, he knew well that we were sinners. Therefore, in following the command of Christ, we call on the Heavenly Father through Christ, our only mediator, as we are taught by the Lord's Prayer, being assured that we shall obtain all we ask of the Father in his name. This is our confession of faith. Well, this morning we come to the end of that central section of the Belgic Confession, uh, dealing with the doctrine of salvation, dealing with the work of Jesus Christ. We have talked about his atonement, his sacrifice, that it was substitutionary. We have talked about justification, that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. We have talked about sanctification, the obligation that we have in response to salvation to live in a way that's pleasing to God. 
and last time, recognizing that Christ even affects the way that we worship, uh, the shadows being gone and the reality in Jesus Christ uh, being here. This morning, we come to the last article in this central section dealing with Jesus and his intercession. And like I said, this is one of the longest articles in the confession. I suspect if we were writing the confession today, we would probably spend more time on last week's topic, how to worship properly. We would probably not spend all this time on the intercession of Christ. They obviously, the writers obviously valued this truth that they give so much time to it. How important is the intercession of Christ to us? Or maybe to ask the question more cynically, do we even know what Christ's intercession does for us? What does it mean that Christ is our intercessor? It's, it's a glorious truth. And without this truth, without this work of Christ, we would have no access to God. That's how significant it is. Only because we have Jesus Christ as an intercessor do we have access to God. What is an intercessor, kids? An intercessor is someone who speaks on behalf of someone else. That's an intercessor. An intercessor speaks on behalf of someone else. Maybe sometimes kids, um, some of the older kids in the family decide that they'd like dad to take them for ice cream. We want dad to take us for ice cream. But, but, but they don't go and ask dad. They go to his youngest daughter. And they say, now you go ask dad if he will take us for ice cream. Because dad certainly won't say no to you. That's an intercessor. Someone who speaks on behalf of someone else. We're going to talk this morning about Jesus Christ as our intercessor. One who speaks to his Father on our behalf. And, and we see that the intercessor is necessary because of who God is. I think today there's been a watering down of the glory of the majesty of who God is. Now it is true, God is kind and he is loving and he is merciful and he is gracious, he is all of these things, but he is also holy and he is righteous and he is just and he is a God who is full of wrath towards sin. God's Greatness, God's holiness, requires an intercessor because of who he is, because of his majesty. Think about it in the Old Testament. When Moses saw that burning bush and Moses began to approach that burning bush and he heard, heard the words, take off your shoes, you're standing on holy ground. Moses did not say, well, God's loving, so I think I'll just keep going. No, he, he took off his shoes. He, because of God's holiness, he would not approach anymore 
Think of when Israel saw uh, the top of Mount Sinai burning with the lightning and with the glory of God. What did they do? Did they say, let's go up the mountain? They said, no, we're going to fence this off. Don't get too close. Because of the holiness, because of the power, because of the majesty of God. We think even of Isaiah when he was called as a prophet. Beautiful story recorded for us in Isaiah chapter 6. We read there, In the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called and said to another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. I'm a man of unclean lips. I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. That, that reminder that God is a holy God before whom we are undone. Woe is me in the light of God's majesty, in the light of His presence, in the light of His holiness. We've lost a sense of that today. But as we enter into worship, we approach a holy God. And we, we are those who are unholy. We are those who whose actions are unholy. We have unclean hands. The things that we do don't bring glory to God. The things that we do go against God's holy, righteous standards. We are people of unclean words, unclean lips. The words that come out of our mouth do not consistently bring glory to God. They are, they are tainted with our sinfulness. We are a people of unclean thoughts. In the, in the dark recesses of our minds or often in the forefront of our minds, the things we think are not pleasing to our God. Our hearts are filled with sin. Sin is not just something that we do or don't do. Sinners are who we are. And in light of that, we, we need an intercessor. We need someone to speak to the Father in our defense. How would we dare approach such a holy God? Our author says in chapter 5, verse 1, For every high priest is chosen from among men. He is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God. That was the role of the priest. The role of the priest was to speak on behalf of the people to God. And that Old Testament shadow came to its reality in Jesus Christ. Chapter 4, verse 14. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Jesus comes as that great high priest who gives us then access to God the Father. That's where our confession begins in Article 26. 
We believe that we have no access to God except through the one and only mediator and intercessor, Jesus Christ the righteous. He therefore was made man, uniting together the divine and human natures, so that we human beings might have access to the divine majesty, otherwise we would have no access. Without Jesus Christ as our mediator, we have no access to God the Father. His ongoing work of intercession, of mediation. You know, we often talk so much about the finished work of Jesus Christ with regard to our salvation. And that is true. Jesus has done absolutely everything necessary to secure salvation for each and every one of his people. It is a finished work. And we focus so much on that finished work, we forget about his ongoing work. He continues to intercede on our behalf because we are those who need a mediator, need someone to speak in our defense. Jesus continues his work through intercession, through mediation, because he is a God who loves us. Again, from the confession, but this mediator, whom the Father has appointed between himself and us, ought not terrify us by his greatness, so we seek another according to our fancy. For neither in heaven nor among the creatures on earth is there anyone who loves us more than Jesus Christ does. Although he was in the form of God, he emptied himself, taking the form of man and a servant, and was made like his brothers. Suppose we had to find another. Who would love us more than he who gave his life for us while we were his enemies? There is no one who has shown more love for us than Jesus Christ. He is the one who came to earth to dwell among us. He is the one who did that work out of his love his love for obedience to God and his love for a fallen people who would love us more than the one who was willing to give up his life for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. His work of intercession, his work of mediation because of his love for us and because he is the God who is powerful enough to be the intercessor. Again from the confession, and suppose we had to find one who has prestige and power. Who has as much of these as he who is seated at the right hand of the Father and who has all power in heaven and on earth? Jesus has all authority. Before he leaves this earth, he says, all authority has been given to me. All authority, all power. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Who has as much power? Who could intercede like he does? He is the all-powerful intercessor, all authority in heaven and earth being given to him. And he who is, is the one who, who is appointed by God to do this work of mediation. Again, from our text, chapter 5, verse 4. 
Speaking of the intercessor, no one takes this honor for himself, but only when called by God, so also Christ did not exalt himself to be made a high priest, but was appointed by him who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten to you. In another place he says, you are a priest forever. Jesus Christ appointed by God the Father to do this work. Appointed by God not only to be our Savior, as wonderful as that is, but also to be our intercessor. The one who gives us access to God. The one who will be heard by God the Father. Again, I love this line uh, from our confession where it says, Who will be heard more readily than God's own dearly beloved Son? Who will be heard more readily than God's own dearly beloved Son? The work of Jesus Christ because of His love, because of His power, because of His access, Without his work of intercession, we have no access to God. Without him, we have nothing. And so God sends his son to be intercessor, to be mediator. And all of this, along with all the blessings of salvation, all of this also for our blessing. Chapter 4, verse 16 since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens jesus son of god let us hold fast our confession we have a great high priest verse 16 let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need let us with confidence draw near not because of who we are not because of our own holiness, but because of who He is. Because of what He has done. Because of Jesus Christ, we now do have access through Him. Without Him, no access. But in Him, we have access to God the Father. And kids, that's why we pray in Jesus' name. Or that's why we pray for Jesus' sake. Maybe when your parents pray, or when you pray, or when you hear me pray, those words at the end of the prayer aren't just a clue, oh, the prayer's over now. We really mean that. God, we ask that you would hear us, not for our own sake, not for who we are, but hear us for the sake of Jesus. Hear us for Jesus' sake, our intercessor. Hear us, for we pray not in our own name, we pray in His name, without whom there is no access. Hear us for the sake of Jesus Christ and what He has done. Let us with confidence draw near. And our author says in verse 15, for we do not have a high priest, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. It might be tempting for us to say, well, you know, I could, I could pray through Jesus, the intercessor, but he really doesn't understand. 
He doesn't know what I'm going through. He doesn't understand my problems. Jesus understands. Because he, he was made like us in every way, sin accepted. Jesus knows what it is to be tempted. If you are struggling with temptation, he knows what that is like. He was tempted when he was at his weakest by the devil himself. He knows temptation. He knows what it's like, and so he can intercede for you in the presence of the Father. If you are feeling sorrow, perhaps sorrow at the loss of a loved one, sorrow at the loss of a friend, our intercessor understands. He knows what that feels like. At the death of his friend Lazarus, he wept. He knows your tears. He understands your sorrow, and he intercedes for you with the Father. If you are feeling alone, Jesus knows that as well. He was the one who was betrayed by his friends. He was the one who was left by his closest followers. He knows that, what it is to feel all alone. And he is the one who intercedes for you. He is the one who, who even on the cross cried out, My God, why have you forsaken me? He knows the depth of your feelings. He knows what you're going through. And he is your intercessor. Christ can sympathize with all of our hurts, with our weaknesses, with our fears. He knows because he was made like us in every way, yet without sin. And it is that understanding sympathetic, empathetic intercessor who prays for you. Through him, you have access to God the Father. This glorious blessing for all who are found in Jesus Christ. Yes, he came to do the work of salvation. He came to do everything necessary to complete the work to save his people. And he calls you again today. If you have not embraced him as Lord, if you have not recognized him by faith as your Savior, do so today. Hear the call of Jesus Christ and know the glories of belonging to him. And one of those blessings that comes from belonging is that you now have access. Access to God the Father through him. Jesus Christ, your intercessor, the one who pleads to the Father in your behalf that God might hear your prayers through Christ and in his abundance and according to his perfect plan, answer for the sake of Christ and for the care of us, his people. That's the blessing. That's the beauty. That's the joy of knowing Jesus Christ, not only our Savior, but Christ our intercessor. Let us join together in prayer. Lord our God, we are so thankful for the fullness 
of the work of your Son. We thank you for his completed work, offering himself up on the cross for us, a fallen people, and securing our redemption. We thank you for his ongoing work, that even now, Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father and is interceding, pleading for us. Thank you, Lord God, for this glorious blessing. May we recognize this this truth. It is not something simply academic or, or esoteric. It has to do with our relationship with you. And through him, that relationship, that fellowship is brought back together, even though you are holy and we are still fallen. Lord God, thank you for his finished work, his work of high priest. Continue to bless us through the ministry of Jesus Christ. We do pray this all, O God, not for our own sake, but for the sake of your Son, not for our worth, but for his infinite worth. Hear us for Jesus' sake. Amen. We're going to sing together of that work of Jesus Christ as high priest in number 274. 274. Jesus, my great high priest, offered his blood and died. My guilty conscience seeks no sacrifice beside. His powerful blood did once atone, and now it pleads before the throne. Verse 3, my advocate appears for my defense on high. The Father bows his ear and lays his thunder by. Not all that hell or sin can say shall turn his heart, his love, away. We're going to sing all four verses, 274. Let's stand together as we sing.
Receive the parting blessing of our God, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Thank you.